Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The homestead is on fire. Quick, get to the well. It's high noon for Friday, August 14th, 2020. And I had so many things that I was planning on talking about today. But then I ended up going down this strange rabbit hole last night. So I want to tell you about that. And I just wasted an hour of my morning arguing on Instagram with a supposed public policy expert who got his PhD in public policy from George Mason University. And he intimated that he has some connection with uh, Mercatus and the and Coke Industries. Uh, let me tell you his name. It is David Morar. Okay. And I'm happy to post the conversation. It's really long. But this dude basically thought he was going to be able to shout me down by being like, I'm a public policy PhD. But he couldn't answer any of the questions I had posed to him about Universal mail-in voting, okay? So people in California are starting to get their ballot notifications and they're starting to get um, ballot information, whatever. And because I talk about this stuff on Instagram and Twitter, people have started sending me pictures of what they are receiving from the state in terms of voting. A woman last night showed me a picture of a ballot notification from Merced, California, that says there will be no polling places and that everyone is going to get a ballot, okay? And so Public Policy Genius was telling me that it is law that there be one polling place per every 10,000 residents, okay? And so that means Merced, California, with 83, 84,000 people, would have eight or nine polling places, probably nine, right? For however many of their voters are registered, 
in California, a state of 40 million people, they have 20 million active registered voters and another 5 million who are not registered, okay? So in Merced, if we assume by the same ratio that they have approximately 40,000 eligible voters, those 40,000 eligible voters to vote in person would have to go to one of nine voting assistance centers, not polling places, voting assistance centers, okay? This is for if something goes wrong with your ballot, all right? If you need help on the day of election. These are not polling places. That's different. And I don't know this for sure yet, but I imagine, and I will make sure to find out, that when you go to those places, since they are not your individual polling place with your ballot, all right, that you can get by giving them your name and address. In lieu of that, they give you what's called a provisional ballot. And provisional ballots get counted later, all right? That's a problem. It's especially a problem if 40,000 people decided that COVID wasn't scary, like Anthony Fauci says. There's no reason why you can't socially distance well enough to vote if you can do so to run errands, okay? So they're saying because of COVID, they're doing all mail-in with no polling places. It says it on the notice in nice, bold blue letters, okay? So nine places, 40,000 people. If everyone wanted to go vote, that would be four and a half thousand people going to each polling location. Knowing how fast voting goes, if 4,500 people lined up at each of those nine places that are not polling places, what do you think the chances are that all of them are going to stay and vote? How long would that take? That would be like the Staples Center having four entrances and for each person to enter, they had to proceed through a 10-minute long process. How long would it take for you to get into the Lakers game? All right? Now, I thought about this last night because a friend of mine who is a bright guy and who pays attention, I would say, at a slightly above casual level to current events. He definitely cares. He knows some of his shit. He's got an open mind. Good dude. But we started talking about voting. And this is what set me off on this thing, okay? Because he was saying that everyone should have mail-in voting. And so it's good that they're doing this. And I said, okay, but if everyone can request a mail-in ballot, if that's what they want, what's the problem there, all right? And so he was like, well, I think people should be able to text their votes. And I'm like, okay, well, that's dumb. But fine, you can have that opinion. But we're not set up for that right now, two and a half months before an election. All right. I have no problem with any type of voting. Whatever makes people comfortable that their vote was cast 
and it was easy to do so, totally down with that. But I asked the public, pol- the public policy genius, hey, so, okay, describe me the voter who is able to receive their ballot and vote by mail, but who is also not able to request their ballot and needs the state to send it to them, all right? I would suggest to you that describes a set of exactly zero people, okay? It is unreasonable to believe that people cannot request their ballots by the same means as which they cast their ballots, okay? You can request a mail-in ballot, an absentee ballot, all over the country. They do not send them to you automatically because a lot of people do want to go vote in person. All right? Universal mail-in balloting and requested absentee mail-in balloting are entirely different things. And what the Democratic Party is trying to do is implement California's system across the nation due to COVID. All right? They held up the relief package for this. They have been clamoring about this for months. Why? Why? Why can't they tell their voters that they are so concerned about to request ballots like everyone else? There is no logical reason there, all right? And if you could find one, if you could find the sort of voter that that system must be in place to protect, I would still suggest to you that those extraordinary outlier cases do nothing close to warranting an implementation of a different method of voting two and a half months before an election. It does not make any sense. First of all, I'm not even sure that they can produce the set of those people that could actually be disenfranchised without this. I don't believe that set of people exists because they are capable of requesting their mail-in absentee ballot. But even if you could prove that that set of people does exist, it still does not justify changing the method of voting for the entire nation. All right? The reason that Congress did not pass a stimulus bill is because of this, because of the teachers' unions, and because of the state bailouts. All right? This is a deal breaker. That is why there is no deal, and that is why Trump is trying to go around that process to actually help people because the Democrats have gone home. So back to my friend, okay? 
He said that he prefers not to go vote in person because he doesn't want to wait in lines. I said, okay, well, I mean, you don't care much about your vote if that's the case. Because he went to vote for for Bernie in the primary in the spring. And the line was too long because he lives on the east side of Hollywood, the Silver Lake area. Okay, if you're familiar with Los Angeles, that neighborhood is a hyper gentrifying hipster neighborhood. I used to live there. It's a wonderful place, by the way. It's a great place to live. I'm not insulting Silver Lake whatsoever. But they do have a certain demographic of voter there. Okay, And when someone who is voting for someone outside the establishment tells me that the lines at their polling place were two and a half hours long in the hipsterist place in one of the country's most progressive cities, then there's something wrong. And I said, okay, well, why weren't there more polling places? I mean, surely with the amount of data they have now about registered voters, about active voters, about what people's political tendencies are, all right? And they know all this. Of course they know all this. Facebook knows all this because we put it out there, all right? These campaigns have been capable of extreme micro-targeting for at least 12 or 13 years since before the 2008 election. So you cannot tell me that the people running the election did not know what demographic that polling place was likely to serve. All right? That wasn't the case everywhere. My line to vote three miles away from there was a few minutes long. I think I waited 10 minutes. And maybe some people waited longer. But my friend left the line, okay? Which means that And by the way, I don't like Bernie at all. I can't stand him. But it means that Bernie got one less vote. And how many times does that same exact situation get repeated in a state with 20 million voters? And he was like, it's no big deal because Bernie won anyway. Well, it is a big deal because that's a primary and delegates are assigned based on your proportion of the popular vote. All right? So if for some reason the technicalities, the oversights of how they design and place polling centers actually makes a huge fucking difference. And I would suggest to you that it makes a difference on a statewide scale as well. Where are they making it easier to vote than other places? Democrats talk about this a lot and they talk about it as a race issue. I don't believe it is a race issue. I believe it's about serving certain demographics with certain voting tendencies over others. And no one has any problem believing that that's what's happening 
in, quote unquote, the South because of race. In fact, the public policy Ph.D. tried to pull that on me. Exactly. He was like, well, do you know what happens in the South? And I was like, yeah, please tell me what what city, what town are you describing for me right now? And then how does it relate to this? How does it relate to changing the method of voting two and a half months before an election? Until someone can answer that question for me. I'm not pulling back on any of this shit. Okay. And so we know for a fact, Merced, right? You can go to Merced's site. Now, it is possible that they have not released a list of all their polling locations this close to the election. I doubt that, but it's possible. Okay. Totally possible. And in a month, if they do that, and there are as many places for in-person voting, actual polling places, as there were in the primary, I will be more than happy to say I was wrong. I overreacted to this. All right. Until that. This should worry everybody. All right. I went on Google Maps, found various houses and apartment complexes. With Google Street View, right. And I plugged those addresses into Merced's polling place locator. As of right now, none of those addresses had a polling place connected to it. Okay. If you go in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, and you try to find where your polling place is, it says there are none at this time. Now, I'm not saying that's a scandal. All right. Again, that could reflect that in Merced, they have not released the polling places yet. But what they have released in Merced are ballots that say there will be in no in-person voting and that it will be all by mail. Ballot notices. All right. They do list the voting assistance centers on their website. Is it possible that there's something I'm missing? Yes. But it doesn't seem to me that there is. And until someone can present me with that information, I'm going to go with these obvious facts. Anthony Fauci does not believe there is any danger presented by COVID to in-person voting and has said it multiple times. There's fact one. And obviously, you know my feelings about coronavirus stuff. So even beyond the political thing, beyond the stuff that Fauci is willing to say, there is definitely no threat there. And if people believe there is, they're more than welcome to request a ballot anywhere in the country. Okay? Merced and San Diego is another place that are altering their systems and shifting people to universal mail-in voting. And at the same time, COVID is the same everywhere, right? Am I right? Or does it not affect certain people depending on where you are, right? Oh, if you're outside, it's safer. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, that's good because they have an organization called More Than a Vote, which is setting up mass polling locations at baseball stadiums. And one of their main missions is to be able to get ex-felons to vote, Right? 
So Dodger Stadium is going to be open for voting with this organization's help. More than a vote is LeBron James's organization and his partner, Maverick Carter. And they're so helpful. Recall LeBron James saying that it was wrong for the Houston Rockets general manager who have, to have tweeted in support of Hong Kong protesters because China basically owns the NBA. We have talked about how the NBA, when they were deciding that players could wear social justice phrases on the backs of their uniforms, free Muslim Uyghurs was not eligible. Free Hong Kong was not eligible. Nothing that had anything to do with China was eligible. Because China is a huge market for the NBA and the Chinese Communist Party will kick the NBA out of there so fast if they go against China. It is unbelievable to me that people can't see these things, okay? If you go to more than a vote's Instagram or website, you can see their branding. It is a black hand not a black person's hand, I mean, a black hand that looks very much like the Antifa hand. And the website says specifically that it is about social justice causes. That is what they are trying to do. So they get an in-person polling location at Dodger Stadium but in other places of the state where the demographic may be less friendly to them, there is no in-person voting. Tell me how that works and tell me on the basis of the coronavirus how that can be justified. And then here are some extra dots to connect. And now, again, I try to always say, when there is stuff I am not sure about. There is no way that I can be sure about what I'm about to say to you. This is what I'm looking into now and I'm very interested in and I think other people should be interested. That is why I'm saying it, okay? So more than a vote on their website, it talks about people who donate to them in their legal disclosures, okay? But there is no place to donate on their website. So it's privately funded. With donations, because of course it is a nonprofit, right? More than a vote is set up under the umbrella of Rock the Vote. Okay, so the Rock the Vote organization that we're all familiar with, it started in the early 90s when Clinton was out and about, right? Rock the Vote was started by a guy named Jeff Ayeroff. Jeff Ayeroff was partners with a man named Steve Bing. Steve Bing is a man who has donated tens of millions of dollars to Democrats and their causes and the party. Steve Bing was also 
in the Podesta emails on WikiLeaks, many of them. And I am not accusing him of any of the Dungeons and Dragons shit because none of that is necessary. All right. All of the conspiracy stuff, the, the pedophilia, the Satan worship, all of that. Leave all of that aside. I, that stuff is irrelevant to proving the point. Okay. I mean, obviously, if that shit is happening, it's extraordinarily re- relevant. But I am not convinced that that shit is happening at all. But I am convinced that there is serious behind the scenes deal brokering that people should be very concerned about. All right. So Steve Bing in the lead up to the 2007, I mean, 2008 election in 2007, most of these emails are from then. They were talking about specific ways that their campaign was going to operate, including the exact methods by which they were planning to micro-target voters. And the, there were nine people in these meetings and these dinners. Podesta was obviously one. Steve Bing was one. George Soros and his son were two of the other ones. And again, you don't need to believe in any Soros conspiracies to worry that these massive donors are not only funding the campaigns, but they are choosing how the campaigns go, how they will paint their opponents. Okay? Why are big donors choosing that? That is corruption. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen on both sides. I'm sure it does. But when you have that group of people attaching a very popular celebrity who is very woke and very concerned about social justice causes up until the point he has to criticize China, that should be concerning. Why does his initiative get Dodger Stadium open for five days to vote, but other places are closing polling places? And I said this a couple weeks ago. What they're going to do is use whatever they can to reduce polling places. So that everything is handled by mail. And of course, public policy genius spent his time telling me, well, you can't prove there's mail and fraud. This place did it. There's no proof of fraud. Yeah, well, maybe there's no proof of fraud there. Or maybe no one looked because California media certainly isn't concerned about whether or not Democrats are the ones committing voter fraud. And this is specifically not just a get out the vote operation. This is specifically setting up a venue for people to vote at while other venues for people are being shut down. I want every eligible voter 
who wants to vote to be able to vote. I say that unequivocally. Okay. I want to know that in an election this important, the sanctity of our vote is preserved. And on the other side, you have imaginary voters who can receive and send a ballot, but are unable to request the same fucking ballot on their own. How? How does that work? There is an entire media industry built up right now to say that Donald Trump is trying to destroy the post office to make it so people cannot vote. That doesn't even make sense. On the other side, you have a party and the media in lockstep trying to make California's voting method what happens nationwide. They want to take their voter rolls and send ballots out to everyone. California has 5 million inactive voters. Los Angeles' voter registration is 117% of its eligible voters. People are already receiving multiple ballot notices to the same address and to the same household where certain people from that household don't live there anymore. Are we, are we supposed to expect that that is just a random system error? And that they're going to be somehow using a different database when it comes time to send out the actual ballots. Why can't these questions be simply answered? And why is the method being changed before the election on the grounds of a disease that does not present a problem for voting. There should be nothing else that needs to be said about this. It is insane. And there's some picture that's been floating around of a truck in Portland supposedly collecting blue mailboxes to make it harder for people to send their ballots in. In fucking Portland. Why would that happen? Why would something so obvious be happening in Portland? And if it was happening, if somehow people couldn't figure out how to mail something in a residential neighborhood where mailmen pick the mail up from their fucking houses, why would that be happening in one place, Portland? And then we pretend that that is to benefit Donald Trump. How? All that benefits is the narrative. Why would Donald Trump be trying to take down mailboxes to make it impossible for people to vote in a state that he almost definitely wouldn't win? 
and the postmaster general addressed this and said that since coronavirus, people aren't using the mail. And so it doesn't make sense for them to be running the same routes with the same mailmen for way less mail. They don't need to use all the resources on that. That's what the explanation was. Okay. Now, again, it is impossible to prove these things beyond a shadow of a doubt. Okay. But unless you can prove the things you're saying beyond a shadow of a doubt, and you certainly cannot, then the side you should be concerned with is the side that is trying to change the method of voting for the entire nation based on a disease that does not affect voting. And I should end here because it's getting long, but I'm not going to because I told a friend of mine that I would discuss uh, how to deal with uh, the elite mindset. And that's exactly what I was approached with today by the public policy genius from uh, George Mason, who doesn't know what he's talking about, about anything and can't answer questions. And again, I'm more than happy to post this whole conversation. I spent most of my time deriding his elitism and it was so enjoyable. Um, But yeah, he immediately tried to trump me with his credentials and I go, Okay, well, so what? You went to school for too long so that you could be able to tell people you're a PhD about something that requires no special training to learn. And that is the problem with our expert class. Now, people do have different levels of intelligence and they do have different levels of curiosity and they do have different standards by which they believe things. But those are the critical aspects of the situation, not where you went to school and not how long you fucking spent there to figure out the same things that anyone else could figure out just by reading. Am I supposed to pretend that the books he read are unavailable to me? Am I supposed to pretend that his professors aren't on Twitter, aren't on YouTube, that I can't read their papers and know what their theories are? Everyone can access this information. I didn't sit in his classroom. I didn't have discussions with his professor. So he's got me there. But colleges don't give you some special knowledge that is unattainable another way. And if they fucking did, we wouldn't be here because the world would have ended 200 years ago. His PhD was meaningless because he could not support anything he said. And he kept reverting to, well, you said there were no polling places in this location. And I said, well, That is what the ballot notice says. And if you can find me a polling place, go ahead. But his only argument was that they had to have one for one out of every 10,000 residents, which I think you'll agree is not a fucking enough. 
And it's certainly not the number they had in their primary, because in their primary, they had like 50 locations instead of nine. And I didn't count. So maybe it's 40, maybe it's 70. Doesn't matter. The point remains the same. The principle remains the same. The rooted truth is there that people are going to have a harder time voting in person because of the laws being abused for the sake of a disease that does not present problems to voting. Elitists do not have the ability to answer these questions because this is not how they think about things. All right? The, the, the first fucking thing the dude did to try to prove his case was send me an article from Forbes. Forbes is like Huffington Post. People can just publish there. People can submit and publish. There is no real gatekeeper at Forbes. Which is not to invalidate all their information. It's just saying that if this is what you are offering me, you PhD public policy genius... Why in the world would I respect what you know, much less your ability to discern good information from bad? All right. Now, I've spent a lot of time on this stuff, so I feel totally comfortable arguing with a person like that. And I understand that most people do not. All right. You do not need to do not focus your time trying to convince people that you are not a bad person because of what you believe. If that is all they have to go on, then they don't have anything to go on. What they do is tell you oh, Trump's racist, Trump's sexist, blah, 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 blah. And maybe he is all those things. I don't think he is, but maybe he is all those things. None of that is a reason to look at the media and the Democratic Party who have pushed specific particular narratives this entire time for this exact effect. You can see with your own eyes what is happening in the world. If you are not paying attention to coronavirus, if you are still scared of coronavirus, if you still believe that there is an outbreak in the continental United States of coronavirus, then you are mistaken. You do not look at the data. You do not understand the data. You do not understand the science. So stop pretending that you do. Okay. And so if, if you want to convince me of something that I am wrong about, you need to actually know what you're right about and know why I'm wrong about what I'm wrong about. Okay? That's how that works. You don't get to tell me that I am wrong about this because Trump is a racist. That does not make sense in any fucking way. That makes no sense. They are totally disconnected. The reason these people connect them in their heads is because they know Whose side would look bad if you were right? And it's theirs. 
and they do not and will not confront that. So do not waste your time with these people. If you want to make a difference, talk to the people who are close to you, your friends, your family. Come at them from a place of genuine concern. If they dismiss you, ask them why. If this is the most important election of our lifetimes, why do you feel comfortable dismissing the opinion of someone close to you because they disagree with you, because it doesn't help your political side? That is the mindset that we are dealing with. And that is the mindset that is destroying the country. They are happy to take whatever they are told and believe it. And then not only do they believe it, they are awful people to people they like or people they pretend to like because those people disagree. They don't use information. That's not how good people talk to one another. That's not how people with close relationships talk to one another. And I have gotten in arguments about this stuff with very close friends of mine. And we exchange some heated words. And then we either see what the other one's saying or we agree to disagree. And we are still very close friends. If all someone has is the ability to put their relationship with you on the line over your political opinions, then they do not have a relationship with you. And the truth is that they do not want a relationship with you. And I'm going to talk about this in controlled demolition as well. All right. What they want is to impress people that they believe are better than you. They want the respect of people who they believe are better people than you. Smarter, more sophisticated, richer, wealthier, more popular. Their entire life is a game of social climbing to get to the point where they think they will finally be happy. But there is no point. Okay? Because they are missing the only fucking thing it requires to be happy. Which is the love and appreciation, the love from and appreciation of other people close to them. This is how they treat the people close to them. You should understand why. And then look at their lives, look at their actions, look how they operate. And ask yourself, whose relationships are they primarily concerned with? Is it the people close to them or is it the people that they want to emulate? The people who they would be happy to exchange lives with if they were offered it right now. I think Brad Pitt's fucking awesome. I don't want his life. Okay. I think Michael Jordan's awesome. I don't want his life. Congratulations to him. He's my greatest hero of all time. I don't want his life. I want my life. If you are dealing with people whose goal in life is to get a different life 
that mirrors someone else's who they perceive to be better, run from that person and do not believe them about politics and do not back down from them. Call them out for what they are doing. They are putting your good name, your good relationship with them on the line so that they can make you shut up. There is nothing more to it. And now I will leave it because I'm fired up and this is getting long and I could do this all day, but I'm not going to. So I will see you on Monday. My intention is to get the first part of controlled demolition up tomorrow. I don't know if that is going to happen, but my goal is to do tomorrow, Sunday, and maybe Monday, because it's probably going to be like six hours long. Okay. And I might do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because I am going to be out of town. I will try to do high noon still, but if I'm not, it will be replaced by the parts of controlled demolition. And I hope that that is sufficient. I will be back on Monday at the or I mean on Thursday for sure, if not earlier. At the same reasonable time, on the same reasonable podcast network, I don't have a network. Stop letting people treat you this way. Listen to more Hopes Fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at imyourmoderator.com or use the hashtag heymoderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!